0: I thank God for his faithfulness. I thank God that he's never left us, that he's always with us to provide, he's always with us to protect and to propel us into our future and into our destiny. And I'm so glad to be a part of God's great kingdom and to have the opportunity to come and worship and praise the Lord and connect with you even in your homes. And so I want you to get your Bibles because we're going to do a Bible study tonight. I really appreciate all of you joining us and connecting to our online broadcast. Uh, tomorrow at 7 p.m. we're going to do a panel discussion where we're going to answer some questions. Brother John Brown, Brother Daniel Strobel, Brother Jeremy Stafford and myself, I'll moderate. And they're going to help me answer questions. And we've polled several people in the congregation we've come up with several questions and we're gonna pose those questions to the panel and they're gonna give us some answers. So I think you uh, need to join with us and I, I know that you will be blessed by uh, the panel discussion tomorrow night. And then Friday night at 7 p.m., Brother Jeremy Stafford will be preaching and we're gonna have a great time and also Sunday morning at 11 a.m. I'll be preaching and then Sunday night, very special service, Brother Rick Stoops, the district superintendent of Maine, is going to join us and he's going to preach about miracles and then he's going to pray for miracles and even if you can't invite somebody to your home that might be sick you can at least contact them and get them to connect online and in their home or even in the hospital and let's pray a prayer of healing and release miracles in pensacola so we've got some exciting things planned for you this week and I'm very appreciative of what the Lord is gonna, going to do, especially when we can get back into the sanctuary. I know that everybody's looking forward to that. And we don't know just when yet, but it looks like it'll be very soon. And, and we're hoping that the timeline that's been told us will continue to hold. And if it does, that will be exciting. Now, what I want to do here tonight is I want to show you how i teach a a home bible study and what my purpose is and what my driving goal is especially in an extended bible study where uh, you go through several weeks trying to build a relationship with people trying to get them to understand that we're real as pentecostals and uh, that we have substantial evidence Uh, in the scripture to back every message and every doctrine that we preach. That it is not hearsay, it is not whimsical, it's not something we came up with as a cultural contrivance. It is literally sustained in the scripture. And so when I teach a home Bible study, I hope you get your Bibles because I want you to be able to follow along with me as I go to different scriptures. When you start at the very beginning of the Bible, you find out that the greatest message and the greatest word that comes from whether it's the type and shadows of the creation of Genesis chapter 1 or whether it is the type and shadow of the deliverance of Israel from Egypt or whether it is uh, the tabernacle plan, our message of salvation and the new birth that we teach from Acts 2:38, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It is the only message that can go back in time and fit every type and shadow from the creation story right on down through the prophets. You don't have to butcher any type and shadow. You don't have to remove. You don't have to overlook. You don't have to even explain it away. It's the only new birth message that fits every type and shadow of the Old Testament. That's how powerful this message is. And that's the reason why as an apostolic church, we teach and preach the new birth as Acts 2.38. And of course, I, everything that I do in a home Bible study, I'm sitting at someone's table or I'm sitting in their living room in, in a relaxing chair and we've just got our Bibles out, we've got the charts out. And, every, and as we begin to teach through the Bible, my favorite part of the Bible study of the entire process is when we get to about the end of lesson 7. And we start the process of really nailing down what I want them to do. I don't want them just to believe that what we say is right. I want them to obey what God told us in the scripture. I want them to experience, not just be obedient because, well, this is what I say you have to do. And this is what the Bible says. I want them to experience Jesus through this. I want them to be changed and transformed by it. I want them to be set on fire by the power of the Spirit. And so everything I teach up to this end of Lesson 7 brings me to the Great Commission of Jesus. And and so if, if we can see the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20, and this is Matthew's version and part of the Great Commission And this is what he said. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always even unto the end of the world. Amen. Now, the elements of the Great Commission, the first element, of course, of the Great Commission is that powerful faith in Mark 16:15 and 18. Let's go there. If you would turn in your Bibles to Mark 16 and 15 and just take the moment to turn there because I want you to know where it's in the Bible so you can find it later on when you're witnessing to people especially because they're stirred up about the present crisis we've been in. And he said unto them go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. These signs shall follow them that believe. Now we begin to see the supernatural component and the supernatural power there is in the new birth. It's not just a mental assent of accepting historical facts, but it's a personal experience, an empowering experience with God Where in his name you cast out devils. You speak with new tongues. You can take up serpents or drink any deadly thing. It shall not hurt you. Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And they went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs and wonders following. And then in Luke chapter 24 verse 45. I want you to turn there because This is an important component of this great commission that we don't want to miss its truth. And in uh, Luke 24, 45 through 49, then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures and said unto them, thus it is written, and thus it behoove Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. Now hear this, that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning At Jerusalem, and ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my father unto you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. That is what the Holy Ghost does. It gives you the power you need to face any challenge, overcome any crisis. That means your own personal habits your own personal tendency to sin and to do wrong things. You have the power of the Holy Ghost that gives you the ability to walk with God in faith and in victory. And I think that that's a very important part uh, of the Great Commission. And then Acts chapter one, verses four through eight, very another very important component of this Great Commission that you need to be aware of because without it, you're not gonna understand Exactly what you have when you get saved. When you repent, when you're baptized, when you're filled with the Holy Ghost, it's very important in my Bible studies that people know exactly what God intends to do with their life as a result of saving them. And I believe Acts 1, 4-8 is a very important component, another part of that great commission. And being assembled together with them commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem but wait for the promise of the father which we just read about in Luke 24 which saith he ye have heard of me for John truly baptized with water but ye shall be baptized with the holy ghost not many days hence now this is a very important truth that i try to convey to people especially people who don't understand the bible and they don't understand the new birth and why we teach acts 238 is that no scripture contradicts another scripture. Everything fits together. Nothing contradicts each other. And if you don't understand that, then you could or you can give the appearance that you don't want to fool with these scriptures because they don't quite agree with your particular take on the subject and so you got to ignore this text and you got to cut this out of the Bible and explain that away or that's just a historical book really doesn't tell us very much about the Bible. Uh, you know, if it's in the Bible, it's the Word of God and every bit of it counts and it all has to fit. You can't just throw it out. You have to make it work. And so that's the reason why I take so much time in my Bible studies to read scripture is because people need to understand that what we're talking about is what is in the Bible, not what this church teaches, not what Pentecostals teach. What does the Bible say? And that is the most important thing. The founding pastor of this church, Brother D.L. Welch and Brother Paul Welch, both of them said repeatedly in the pulpit, when you go home, you get your Bible out and you make sure that what I am preaching is in the word of God. And that is a very vital thing. That's the reason why I want you to get your Bible. I want you to know what we preach and teach is in this book. And it's vital to your salvation and it's vital to your walk with God. And for John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked him of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom? To Israel, And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times of the season which the Father has put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after that. The Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem in all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. Not only do you experience something when you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, it's an empowerment for you to be a witness. There's your purpose. That's what Jesus has called you to do. Now we need to go about finding our best way of doing that. So here's the elements of the Great Commission that Jesus taught us. The first element is faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. You must believe. How do you receive faith? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Romans 10 and 17 makes it very plain. Another component of the Great Commission is repentance. You must repent. That means more than just feeling sorry for your sins, you must turn away from your sin and walk on a different path and decide you want to serve the Lord. Water baptism is a part of the Great Commission. And we're going to discuss that in in more length in just a minute. And then the Holy Ghost, a spiritual experience where the power and the glory of God comes upon you and fills your heart until your cup overflows That is the Holy Ghost. And then teaching. It is the will of God according to the great commission of Jesus for us to go and teach people to observe the very things that Jesus commanded the apostles to do. Here's what I drive home in every home Bible study that I teach is that what we teach is not a fabrication of culture. What we teach is exactly what Jesus told his disciples to do. What I'm telling you to do is what Jesus told his disciples to do. Now, I believe that you need to experience and have faith in God. I believe that you need to repent and be baptized. But I'm also going to tell you, tarry until you be endued with power from on high. I want you to receive the whole package. But not only do I want you to repent, get baptized and receive the Holy Ghost, is I want you to present yourself to the Lord where you can be taught these commandments, know where it is in the Bible. You need to be instructed in the word to where you know on your own, by your own Bible study, that what you believe is the truth. And it is at least what Jesus taught. And then there are healing and supernatural signs. I believe that if we are the true church of the living God, we're going to have miracles, healings, and supernatural signs. That you cannot be an apostolic or any kind of New Testament church that's honored by Jesus Christ and that honors Jesus Christ that doesn't have the supernatural in the midst of it. It's going to have the supernatural. There's going to be healing. That's the reason why we have healing services. We're not trying to be faith healers. We're not trying to be superstars. But we believe that that's exactly what Jesus did in his ministry. We believe that he imparted that ministry to his disciples. And that ministry is still alive. We're going to operate in it Sunday night. Brother Stoops is going to preach. And then he's going to pray. And then we're going to believe that God's going to heal you right now. In Jesus' name. And I, I know that God is able to do that. And so these are so, so important. So I want us to go to the next uh, slide here the birth of the church. Now, the church was not born in Jerusalem when Jesus was alive, He had to ascend into the heavenlies before the church could be born because the comforter could not come. And he stated this himself. I can't send the comforter until I go away. I've got to go away and then I can send the comforter. When the Holy Ghost fell on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter two, and I really don't know of any denomination that denies this. Now there might be some, but everyone believes that the church was birthed on the day of Pentecost In Acts chapter 2, that's when Jesus established his church and decided that this church is going to be born on the day of Pentecost, which was a day where they commemorated the giving of the law at Sinai, where he wrote the law upon the tablets of stone. And of course, we can have the law written upon our hearts. And I'm so thankful for the birthing of the church. Now, I don't know about you, but I am thankful to be in the church. Now, the church is not a building. Now, thank God for this great building. A lot of people gave and sweated and, and, and poured their blood into this building. Thank God for it, because now we have a place to come when we can't come to church. We, we have a place to go, at least. It's still here. Thank the Lord for that. And, and thank God for the building. But that's not the church. The church is not this building. The church is me. The church is you. The church is us together as believers who have repented and been baptized and filled with the glorious gift of the Holy Ghost. That is the power of the church is, is the people that are connected in in the Holy Ghost. Now, another thing that I drive home in my home Bible studies is that everything we teach and preach has been prophetically declared in the Old Testament. There is nothing that we preach that was not already prophesied by a prophet specifically declared that it would happen and it would be a part of the New Testament dispensation of grace. The promise of the Holy Ghost came as a result of what Luke 24, 49 Jesus said, I want you to go, Terry, till you be endued with power from on high. He called it the promise of his father. And then in Acts 1.8, as we already read, he talked about it being the power that will come upon us after the Holy Ghost, after we receive the Holy Ghost and we will be witnesses. This has been prophesied and declared, first of all, in Isaiah 28, 11 through 12, where he said with another tongue, will I speak unto this people? That heavenly language, that language that comes upon us when we are filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, I know the media, the educational world, and the world which is carnal will mock us. Even church people, denominal people, they don't mock it as much as, they, uh, as much as they do now or as much as they did yesterday. They mock it a lot yesterday, but not as much now. But they, when they receive... The Holy Ghost and speak with tongues according to the word of God. It is not anything that we should mock, but it is something that everybody should seek. Doesn't make any difference what denomination you are. If you're a believer, I preach, you should receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and you will speak with tongues as the spirit of God gives you the utterance that is is the word of the Lord. I drive it home. Isaiah prophesied that we would speak with tongues when this spirit came. And when that that power from on high would come upon us, we would speak with tongues. Jeremiah 31, 31 said that God would write a new law upon our hearts. Now that's exciting to me. That means that whatever script that's been written out for you by your first birth can be overwritten by the of God through the power of the Holy Ghost. That's another reason I want you to receive it. Not just so you could say you, you have it or not just so that you could say well the Pentecostals are right and have been right all along. No, the word of God is right. It's not who's right or who's wrong. It's what does the Bible say. It's not about establishing superiority. It's about you being transformed. It's about you knowing that what you're a part of is not a 20th century fabrication and creation. It is a restoration of the first century church. That's what Pentecostals are. We are the resurrection. We are the restoration of the first century church. And I think that that's who we ought to be and that's who we should always be. Joel 2:28 and 29 is the prophetic text that was quoted by Simon Peter on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 when he preached that what they had just received was a full, direct fulfillment of Joel's prophecy. And John seven thirty-seven. Now let's go to John seven thirty-seven. If you have your Bibles there, let's turn there real quickly to John chapter 7 and verse 37. And so I want you to turn in your Bible there because... This is an important aspect of what we teach as uh, as doctrine in our church. In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And he that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Isn't that a beautiful, poetic way to describe what it is to have the Holy Ghost? is that it's like rivers of living water flowing out of you. There ought to be a flow of joy and peace and, and gracious words from your mouth. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. So the Holy Ghost was not given until Jesus was glorified. And we understand that as a part of the chronological process of God producing salvation and making it available to all men. He took great care. God was not playing games. He did not come up with plan B. He was implementing his plan that was set in motion from the beginning of time is that Jesus would die on the cross. He would rise again on the third day and that he would uh, resurrect and then ascend into the heavens pour out his spirit upon his people, and we would carry out his mission to the world by being Christ in the earth and by being ambassadors for his namesake. Now that is powerful truth. And that's what we want to see happen. That's what I try to accomplish in my home Bible studies. The birth of the church, of course, in Hebrews 9, 16 through 17, you cannot uh, implement a will or an inheritance until the testator is dead. Jesus had to die on the cross in order to bring into effect the New Testament, the new will. That doesn't do away with the Old Testament in the sense that it is irrelevant. It just fulfills and explains the Old Testament so that we can understand why God did what he did in the Old Testament through Israel. But now, since we have been brought out of the law in the grace, we have the opportunity to change the world around us by preaching that message of grace. Jesus died to effect a new will and a new testament. Now, we can operate on a new identity. We have new power. We have new victory. We have a new mind, a new heart, a new law written upon our heart. Now we can start operating in it by faith. So what doth hinder thee? Why don't you come on and get the Holy Ghost and fulfill the Word of God? So that's what I tell people when I'm teaching home Bible study. I want them to know that it's promised, that the Holy Ghost is not, oh, well, Brother Kenzie or the Pentecostals, or we think we are, you have to speak in tongues to go to heaven and all of these nonsense questions. No, I believe that when you get the Holy Ghost, you're gonna know you've got it because you speak with other tongues. And God will not deny that Holy Ghost to you for whosoever asks shall receive. And the only reason you don't have it is because you don't ask. That's it. There's no other reason. If I can get you to ask, that's what Bible studies are all about. I'm trying to get you to ask. And yes, you will know you've received it when you speak with other tongues. And so it's very exciting when you consider what happened in the upper room. It's very significant. Not only were the 12 apostles there, but there was 120. And very significant is that Mary, the mother of Jesus, was in the upper room and Mary received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now that is exciting news indeed. That means the Holy Ghost is for everybody. If it's for the mother of Jesus, I can promise you it's for you. If it's for Simon Peter and the original 12 apostles, then it's for everyone. If God does it for anyone, he will do it for everyone. And, and I believe that with all of my heart. So let me just uh, read to you Acts 2, 1 through 4, because it's important. And if you would turn there in, in your Bibles to that text, you can read it there as well. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and it sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Wow, the church is born, the heart is renewed and you're a new creature in Christ Jesus because you have power now to accomplish things. And, and the crowd begins to ask questions. They say, what is this? What meaneth this? Why are these people speaking, to these unlearned and uneducated people talking in our languages? And what is the deal? Some mocked, some didn't say, these men are drunk. They just got too much. They got too much wine and alcohol at the saloon and, and at the bar, and they are drunk as skunks, and they are reeling and rocking. I guarantee you that Uh, when Simon Peter got up and said, these men are not drunk as ye suppose, I think we ought to say we're not as drunk as we're supposed to be. (laughs) We need to get a little bit more drunk. We need to get a little more of this Holy Ghost to where we're speaking in tongues. Listen, don't let people's mockery and intimidation keep you away from the truth. That's the main thing that we're worried about is the cultural pressure. And, and I, I don't know all about this virus and all about their policies and shutdown. It seems a little extreme to me, but uh, I do want to keep people safe and that is the very main priority of our church is to try to keep people safe. But by the same token, I'm not going to let intimidation and the cultural pressure to try to cause us to cease to be the church. I refuse to cease to be who Jesus made me to be through the power of his cross through the power of his blood and through the glory of his name and through the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Now, as a result of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, Simon Peter was transformed from denying Jesus to being the first preacher of the New Testament and the new way, who had, as a result, the keys of the kingdom by the revelation that Jesus gave to him Peter had the revelation of who Jesus was, but Jesus also had the revelation of who Peter was as a result of redemption. And so thank God for both revelations. I thank God for the revelation that I know who Jesus is. He's God Almighty. But I also am thankful for the revelation that Jesus has of who I am in him and through his grace. Jesus knew that his grace would be sufficient to transform Simon Peter into the preacher of that he became on the day of Pentecost because he had the keys. And that's the first covenant sermon that was to be preached. And then in Acts chapter 2, verses 14 through 17, ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words, for these are not drunk as ye suppose, seeing is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Love that. And then in Acts 2.36, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now I'm going to tell you something. He preached with such power and he preached with such conviction And these men knew the prophetic word of Joel and they understood that something supernatural had happened at the temple as a result of them speaking in tongues and the cloven tongues is like as a fire and that rushing mighty wind that came upon each of them. And then they became pricked in their heart because uh, Simon Peter didn't beat around the bush and and mess around. He told him, he said, you killed him and you crucified an innocent man. And they said, man, he's trying to bring the blood of Jesus on us. What in the world? And they were pricked in their heart and said, well, what are we going to do now? How do we do this? How are we going to accomplish this? How are we going to overcome? I'll tell you how we're going to overcome. We are going to repent. And then he, he said, Acts 2.38 and 2.39 was in response to that. When you feel conviction on your heart. Now, this is what you need to understand about Pentecostal preachers all across the board. When they preach with conviction, I don't care what they preach to convict you. They can preach judgment, the end of time, prophecy, preach on sin, preach faith, preach whatever they preach. But when your heart is convicted, this is what they want you to do. And this is what I preach that you should do as a result of being conv- Brother Kinsey, I'm, 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 I'm moved in the Holy What do I need to do? You don't need to join a church. You don't need to shake a preacher's head, but what you do need to do, then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are far off Even as many as the Lord, our God shall call. Wow. I love it. Simon Peter not only preached on the resurrection, but he preached God's full plan of salvation. And 3000 people were converted. I want you to go to the next slide because it's important that people understand that repentance is a part of this plan repentance. God's preached and declared repentance from the very beginning. Jesus preached it. John the Baptist preached it. And then if you go back in the Old Testament, repentance, of course, was a great part of the plan and the preaching of everyone in the Old Testament. That's just been a part of God's plan all along. And thank God for the gift of repentance because we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God and we're all lost. But thank God for repentance. We don't have to be lost and we don't have to stay lost. We can repent. But we also, through water baptism, water has always been a part of the plan from the very beginning. When God separated the waters uh, from the waters in order to create the oceans and the atmosphere, when He separated them from the upper and the lower, all the way through the flood of Noah, through coming through the Red Sea. And, uh, and all of the ceremonial washings that they did, water baptism has always been a part of God's plan. And it's never going to be outside of God's plan. So you just need to make a plan to get in the plan and plan to be baptized. Hallelujah. Because it's in the plan. <laughs> it, it's, not, it's not outside the plan. It's not just a little addendum to the plan. It's a part of the plan. And you can't deny it. It's in the Old Testament. It follows through the whole part from the washing of the laver, from the washing of the ashes of the red heifer, to the cleansing uh, of the lepers, all the way through the scripture. Water has been a part of the plan. And that is water baptism by immersion. By immersion. And there is a name, the revelation of the name has been a part. Of Of the plan from the very beginning. And that's the reason why I preach on the name of Jesus. It's not to offend anybody or exclude anybody. I love everybody. And I I love all the peoples of the world, regardless of what their religion is. I care about them deeply. But God's been wanting to reveal his name to, to his people from the very beginning of time. And that's been a part of the plan all along. And now we have the revelation of the name. Not a revelation of the name. The revelation of the name. Now I do understand that God began to reveal his name in the Old Testament to Abraham, to Moses. Each one of them received a new aspect, a new component of that name to give them understanding and to grow their relationship with God. And now we've got the fullness of the revelation of that name. And his name shall be called Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. So when I baptize you or anyone in our church baptizes you, we're going to baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And of course, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Galatians 3.27 says, What a baptism changes our identity. Mark 16.16 16, 1 Peter 3, 20, 21 says it saves our soul. Romans 6, 4 says it creates death to the flesh. Colossians 2, 12 is in the same agreement. And God does not contradict himself. When Jesus spoke the words in Matthew 28, 19, he gave them the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And he declared plainly in the New Testament, That the name of the Father was Jesus. That the name, that the Son would come in his Father's name. And his name, the Son's name was Jesus. And that the Father would send the Holy Ghost in his name. And that name is Jesus. And Simon Peter, full knowing what Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19. And I know Simon Peter did not disobey the word of God but he baptized according to the word of Jesus because he understood the power of that singular name declares and reveals to us who the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost really is. And he is revealed in Jesus Christ. And of course, there are many other scriptures that we could go through And if I went through all of this, I would be here all night because I get excited about it and I just can't help it because this is the truth. This, this is, I don't have to fabricate. I don't have to, I don't have to go through to some council of some church in 1526 or 4, 428 or 325. I, I don't have to go back to a pope. I don't have to argue away who said what and what said who. I just go right back to the book and says, this is what we're supposed to be. The book of Acts is not just a historical book. The book of Acts is what Jesus began both to do and to teach. And he told me to do and to teach whatever he did and taught. And so that's what I do. So that's why I preach Acts 2.38. Not mad at anybody. I'm just going to preach what Jesus told me to preach. And I'm fulfilling what he told me to preach. To preach to you the new birth. Uh, Repentance and water baptism in Jesus' name. And, fill, and, and filling of the Holy Ghost. Of course, the Holy Ghost baptism, we could continue going through that, and it's just so powerful. But what my main point is in a home Bible study, and tomorrow night in the panel discussion, we're gonna talk with Brother John Brown about home Bible studies and about teaching people the Word of God and what the driving purpose is. I like to teach longer Bible studies simply because I get to build a relationship with people and then I can start from the beginning and prove and show substantial evidence in Scripture that what we teach and preach has been a part of God's plan since the very beginning. We're not even trying to force something. It's just plain as day all the way from the beginning to the end. And, uh, and it's glorious. It's a glorious plan. My thing is in home Bible studies, I want people to have faith in Jesus, but I want them to obey what the Bible teaches. Because if I can't get you to obey, then your faith is null and void. Because faith and obedience cannot be separated. You cannot separate faith and obedience. You, if you have faith, you will obey. And if you obey that, and you start in the process of obedience, that is a revelation of your faith. It, that is seen perfectly in the, in the 10 lepers being healed. And I close with this when Jesus told them to go show yourselves to the priests. And the Bible says, as they went, they were healed. Now they were all healed because they all had faith and they were all in obedience. I mean, I don't know where they came. Oh yeah, Jesus is God. Jesus is the mind. They came to him expecting to be healed and he sent them away and and gave them an act to obey. As they were obeyed, they got healed. But one came back to worship. Now, that's just a part of the New Testament uh, aspect of us being apostolics. That's why we worship in church is because now you can go on your way and take your healing and go on, show yourself to the preaching, go home to mama. That's fine. Go home to mama and your kids and, 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 and then you'll, you'll be wanting to get out after you've been shut in for a while. Praise God, I promise you. But uh, I'm coming back to worship Because there's something that happens when you worship and and this is powerful. That's why we sing. That's why we get loud when the word is preached is because I'm a worshiper because he was made whole. The rest of them got healed, but he got all of his scars removed as a result of his worship. I could just go on and on and I didn't even cover all of it, but we're in the book. I'm going to tell you right now, we are in the book. And we are in the plan and we, and we want you to come and, and have faith with us and worship with us and obey the gospel and be saved. And tomorrow night we'll talk more about home Bible studies and different questions that different people have and we're gonna have a panel discussion with them. And then uh, Friday night, Brother Jeremy Stafford, looking forward to hearing from him on Friday night and Sunday morning back here. 11 a.m., and then 6 p.m. Miracles. Now we're going to pray. We're going to pray, first of all, that this message of the truth will go throughout Pensacola and grip the hearts of every individual. And I am definitely a believer in the covenant of grace. Without grace, you couldn't be saved. Without grace, you wouldn't have a revelation of the name. Without grace, your repentance wouldn't even get off the floor much less to the ceiling. And without grace, the name of Jesus being called over you would do nothing more than just make you wet as you went down into the water and put you down into the water and you just get wet and that would be all you would do. But by faith in Jesus Christ, the power of God can deliver you from sin. And when you come up out of that water, you can walk in the newness of life and you can receive the Holy Ghost and have power to overcome anything in this life. So I want you, if you're in your home and and you can, and you where you can, I want everybody to stand. I want you to stand. And if you, uh, I want you to gather your family around, because we're going to pray that this message will go everywhere and that people will be hungry for it, that people will want to not only have faith, but be obedient to the gospel. And walk in that faith and do what the plan says. I want you to turn around and and just, if if somebody, your family's with you, I want you to just pray with them and and declare with them right now. You can just lift your hands out toward them and speak the word. And you can, if they need healing, I want you to speak healing. If they need the Holy Ghost, perhaps they've prayed for it haven't received it yet. We'll pray for them now. Maybe they haven't been baptized. Tell them, you can come to the church. You can arrange. I've had people calling me wanting to come and be baptized. And we're excited about that. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for people that are hungry for God. So I want you to believe God. I want you to open up your heart. I want you to open up your mouth. Lord, I speak with authority now in the name of Jesus that this message of truth, that this plan of salvation, that this declaration of Acts 2.38 is the word of God. It has been a part of your plan since the beginning. There is no contradiction in the scripture. There is no controversy here. It is simply the plan. And we're going to get into the plan and we're going to operate in it. And we're going to operate by faith. For we know that only by grace can we be filled with the Holy Ghost. Your mercy being extended to us as mere sinful human beings. There's no way we can forgive ourselves, but you can by your power and by your blood forgive us of our sin that we might be able to enjoy the treasures and riches of grace for eternity. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of eternal life. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of the church. Thank you, Jesus, for being with us through this crisis. You're gonna see us through in Jesus' name. I speak healing upon every individual right now in Jesus' name. Now, God bless you, and thank you for joining us tonight. We hope you enjoyed this message. Please reach out to us if you have any questions. We can be found at firstpent.org. That's F-I-R-S-T-P-E-N-T torg If you're ever in Pensacola, Florida, We hope you visit us. Be blessed in Jesus' name.